I'm Jim, and this is On the Left Side, the funny football show. It's his day again for Liverpool. To the top of the table they go. The only question is, how long will they stay there? Try as it might to be seen as an open-minded, forward-thinking, progressive sport, football just seems to often fall short. Just like your Uncle Keith. He pretends he didn't vote UKIP, says he doesn't object to his son's homosexual mates, and tells his wife that he actually enjoys cooking that one meal a week to give her a day off. But after a few sherries over Christmas dinner, he just ends up saying something a bit racist, and all those good intentions go to pot. Uncle Keith is football. Firstly, you might have noticed that this week gone was the annual Rainbow Laces campaign, Stonewall's yearly awareness raiser to help combat homophobia in sports and break down some of the negativity and prejudice around the LGBTQ community's involvement in football. You may have also noticed that almost no players actually wore rainbow laces. Sure, there were some nice moments in and around the week, in particular at Watford FC, where one entire stand held up coloured placards to create a mosaic rainbow on one entire side of the ground. But isn't the whole point of the rainbow laces campaign that the players involve, you know, wear rainbow laces? <laughs> but it would seem that some players just chose not to support the campaign. No doubt because they thought rainbow laces felt a bit gay. Ooh. That's what we're dealing with. Actually, there is a legitimate excuse here, apparently. According to Wales Online, reporting after it was revealed that the Welsh RFU would not be taking part in the campaign, players who, and I quote, kick the ball regularly were given special dispensation from being involved, which means most Premier League footballers are probably off the hook. Apart from maybe Phil Jones. I can't remember the last time I saw him actually kick a ball. There was stuff going on at West Ham too, and Jim Dolan, the chairman of the Pride of Irons group, got the chance to speak about the impact that his organisation has had. Last week, two of our members told me that they wouldn't have season tickets right now if it wasn't for this group existing. So hang on. Without you, there would be two West Ham fans who aren't turning up to the London Stadium each week to watch the Hammers. You evil bastards. <laughs> Whilst we're on the topic of isms this week, there was a healthy dose of the sex variety on show two. That's sexism. The Ballon d'Or took the opportunity to become the embodiment of that Paula Abdul song. You know, the one about taking one step forward and two steps back. The step forward was the decision to honour the first ever female winner of the big footballing prize. The two steps back was the decision to then ask said winner, the world's best footballer, Ada Hegenberg, the scorer of 208 career goals in 243 games, if she could twerk. That question came from the French DJ and compere Martin Slovig, and it got exactly the response it deserved. Est-ce que tu sais twerker? Non. <laughs> Actually, thinking about it, the response it deserved was a kick in the balls, but still, a curt no. I bet that's the last time he asks Set Blatter to write his material. To his credit, Martin did apologise for the question on social media and seemed devastated by the reaction. Uh, well, guys, I'm a little bit uh, amazed, astonished by what I'm reading on the internet. Uh, this comes from a distortion of my English level and my English culture level, which is not obviously not enough. So he's blaming his knowledge of English. Didn't he ask the question in French? Est-ce que tu sais twerker? Last time you let Set Blatter write your excuses as well. Oh, I didn't understand. I couldn't just take 
the money? It must be because I speak French. To be honest, if he's going to apologise for anything, he should probably apologise for wearing a club shirt and tie with a zip-up track jacket. Unforgivable. It felt a little bit this year, like the ceremony itself was acting like an ignored child. After FIFA launched its best award, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. And so the Ballon d'Or was acting up and trying to get a bit of attention. Paul Pogba was judged a better player than Sergio Aguero. Lionel Messi was only labelled the fifth best player in the world. And Luka Modric was crowned the player of the year. Something that he credited really weirdly to Harry Redknapp. For some reason, it's just hard to imagine any other single player amongst the world's best crediting their success to R. Harry, unless it was Nico Cruncher. And I was left slightly disappointed that Modric wasn't asked to twerk on stage as well. That would have been worth seeing. And he could have even done it to the tune of Redknapp singing my way on I'm a Celebrity. And now the end is near. <laughs> and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. That song is pretty short odds to be Christmas number one, by the way, which just goes to show exactly the state that the world is in right now. If you were shocked by Modric getting that number one spot, then just imagine how Jose Mourinho would have felt about Paul Pogba getting 15th place after rumours that Jose Mourinho described the French midfielder as not one of the world's best players, but as a virus in the Manchester United dressing room. An accusation that was exquisitely summed up by this Manchester United fan on the Manchester Football Social podcast. If Pogba's a virus, <laughs> it's funny, but it's also a bloody good analogy. Let me just grab my medical dictionary a second. Get that up here. Uh, there it is. Right. Here we go. See, it's just like Mourinho. Ebola has an incubation period where everything might not seem quite right for a bit, but you can't quite put your finger on why. However, once the disease sets in, the decline is both rapid and devastating. Early symptoms include lethargy and, if left unattended, can result in complete function failure. If you don't catch it early, it can spread quickly and absolutely devastate the host. Also, it's easily caught from infected fruit bats, monkeys and porcupines. Okay, well, it kind of loses it towards the end, but you get the idea. Unless Fellaini could be a porcupine. No, no, you're right, let's just forget the end bit. Sadly, unlike Ebola, there isn't a medical fix, although a 4-1 win at Fulham might stave off the symptoms for a couple of weeks. The virus comment is the kind of thing that you could see being the end of Jose Mourinho at Old Trafford, but seemingly, that's not the case at all. Jose's agent, Mino Riola, a man known for his upstanding honesty and trustworthiness, gave a rare public statement on his client's position at Manchester United at the end of the week, claiming that Jose was very happy with his job in the Manchester United dugout, and more shockingly, that Manchester United were delighted with the work of Jose Mourinho at the club. This leads me to one conclusion, because there is absolutely no way that the Manchester United board can be happy with the performance in the league or the cup or the transfer market. There's no way they can be happy with battling the likes of Watford and Bournemouth in league positions. There is no way they can be happy with the constant digs and arguments from the Portuguese against his employer. So, the only way they could actually be happy with his work is if his work isn't primarily football. Maybe it's Jose that's striking up these bizarre sponsorship deals with tractors and paint suppliers. Maybe he's driving the team bus to and from the stadium. After all, we know he's pretty good at parking it. 
Or maybe he's the ace copy boy in the Manchester United office, eagerly running photocopies back and forth from Ed's desk when he says so, making sure they're always in colour, staple in the corner, and the paper tray never gets blocked. It's just a weird statement to make, but I can see it starting a trend from other agents up and down the country. Sado Berahino's agent will say just how happy he is with his return of four goals in three years. Theresa May's agent will explain just how thrilled she is with her regular trips to Brussels during Brexit negotiations. And Raheem Sterling's agent will explain how he was only joking and he actually loves the media's double standards when it comes to the reporting of the lives of young black footballers. Proper bants. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to bed. I'm a little bit hungover. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast because it was proper hard work today. Click subscribe however you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on someone else's phone, if you want to find us, just search on the left side wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, we're literally everywhere. Even Twitter. And you can follow us there at On The Left Side. I'll see you next week. Bye. On The Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson. And break down some of the negativity and prejudice around the LBD... Around the LB... Around the LBT... <laughs> <laughs> Can't say something. Can I the next word? Around the LGBT what? community. What is he trying to say? LGBTQ community. <laughs> Can you say it? LGBT... <laughs> right, go away.